Hello and welcome to Kimmy Quest episode 344. I'm your host. This week sucks. Wheels. And with me as always. Target of the Howling Voice Guild, David McBurney, Family Master. How's it going? This week sucks. Yeah. Um... <sighs> yeah, today did not help. The news today. Yeah. For for those who those who have avoided the news, uh, but who are also in our audience, which feels like a vanishingly small slice, but uh, <laughs> the creator and uh, director of the first three Sui Kodens, uh, Yoshitaka Murayama, has passed away. Uh, it was announced by his current studio, Rabbit and Bear Studios. Uh, who are developing? Who developed Aiden Chronicle Hundred Heroes? Apparently, he passed on the sixth. But yeah, the, the information was just made public. Genuinely uh, awful to hear. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very hard to find a lot of information about Murayama in English. Uh, and I just went digging for like, what does his Wikipedia page say? It doesn't even have a birth date. Or at least it didn't when I checked this morning. Perhaps someone's dug up information since then. But uh, based on a magazine source that it cites uh, that claims that uh, a magazine source uh, from a, a magazine called Level Magazine, uh, issue 41, it uh, claims that he graduated uh as a computer science major in the summer of 1992 so he would have likely been in his early to mid 50s genuinely genuinely awful uh i'm glad that at the at the least the aiden chronicle was finished when when that happened yeah because it at least means that the last legacy he'll leave behind is a is a completed work. There's there's no question about what he would have done differently if he were still alive. It, that you sometimes get when someone uh, dies in the middle of production. Uh, but I was uh, trying to ex- explain uh, what was Im- impressive about Murayama's writing to an unfamiliar audience. Uh, and I'll uh, just rip some of what I typed out there. Uh, Murayama's writing on the Suikoden games was difficult to recapture uh, after his departure from the franchise. Of the four games made after his departure, only one of them was met with any real, like, warm reception. Uh, Aiden Chronicle... Uh, Suikoden is based on one of the uh for uh one, one of the like novels that composes the uh chinese literary canon in this case it's water margin all men are brothers like it has a million names in english in chinese it's i'm gonna i'm doing my best but i'm probably gonna butcher <laughs> this it's shui Huizhuan. uh but uh the uh the 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 necessity of that basis is where the 108 characters come from the original novel has like the the 108 outlaws in this marsh 
uh, and the it's 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 difficult to describe how how much uh, economy of character writing is necessary when you are faced with a writing constraint that says there have to be 108 principal characters in this <laughs> and you don't have to characterize them all to the same degree and in fact you shouldn't but all mm. of them need to be memorable and uh the three codon games that uh murayama uh directed and wrote have a very have a very deft capacity to give everyone and some of this of course goes to the character designers and of course all is a team effort but uh in terms of the general writing there's a very deft uh, capacity to characterize uh, an enormous cast exactly as much as is necessary to make them memorable within their own roles. And there is a very uh, deft ability to uh, to interweave like this notion of uh, the the human the, the human toll of what is for an RPG, a relatively grounded conflict. There's magic involved, but the fundamental uh, magic is only augmenting a very normal uh, clash of rebellion and kingdoms. And mm. th that's that's why Suikoden, uh was always so... It was, it was always instantly memorable. And uh, why, why it's, it's sad to see Murayama pass right as he was sort of getting back into the mm. industry in a major yeah. way. Mm. Oh, hey, Gadjin. Hello. Yeah, we're, we're just like, opening the show by like, memorializing Murayama a bit. I was wondering how much I'd missed in the few minutes necessary to uh, wait. Uh, actually finish napping with small child. <laughs> uh, yeah, just just starting the top of the show by uh, bringing up the elephant in the room, since that information just became public this morning. Uh, yeah. And I can't say that uh, Suikoden was a series I actually got into just because, you know, there's always going to be a blank space somewhere. Yeah, it was, especially in English, it was very hard to get hold of for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah so, and I mean, by the time I started uh, filling out my PlayStation library, I was much more into looking for everything that was not published in English. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure I could grab the entire series at this point for not nearly as expensive as you would imagine. Yeah, but there are supposed to be remasters of the first two games coming out this year. Which, after this, I, I really hope those come out this year and are, are good. Yeah, yeah. Gate Rune Wars and Dunan Conflict is the the remaster of one and two that, for English speakers especially, that has some value because the translation of two especially leaves a lot to be desired. Uh. To, to the point where there's just like sections that are like buggy because the translation is just badly applied. Um, and despite ooh, that, the strength of that story still comes through really fucking. Well. Yeah, it, it it speaks to it speaks to the strength of the original writing. That even a localization that low budget and often uh, poor uh, can't mask the strength of the original material. Yeah. Uh, uh, if if you don't. Uh, Right. I guess I'll have to check that one out when it actually happens. Yes. Uh, yeah, because that's coming to Switch as well, which will make it very convenient. Yeah, I was just going to say, mm -hmm. I will never, ever forget the whole sequence in Suikoden 2 where you're taking down 
Nuka Blight. And it's like, mm-hmm. here's an army battle, and then here's some regular battles, and then here's a fucking duel. It's a it's a really cool sequence. It's got a, a great atmosphere. Uh, they make incredible use of some really gorgeous uh, sprite work. Uh, it's it's a it's a great little game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, if you're if you're the sort of person that's like I don't have time for another huge RPG, uh, Three Coden Two is the fan favorite. It gets all the play. Three Coden One is a really really compact game. That is like. Mm-hmm. 100% completion run of Three Code and One is easily feasible within 15 hours, and it doesn't feel rushed. It's a very, uh, it's a very well constructed game. Uh, so, if anyone is thinking about uh, picking those up in that time, but isn't sure if they want to commit, like Three Code and One, fantastic, fantastic choice. Um, yeah, I accidentally <laughs> came across that game. <laughs> like, and, and this will obviously fucking date me at this point. When a local video store was closed, down, <laughs> uh, I was in there just looking at stuff, and there was just like a random PS1 game there, so I just picked it up. And That's this horrible cover art. What is this game? How do you pronounce this? Sukodan? Oh god, no one knew how to pronounce Sui yeah. Code in America at that point. <laughs> And yeah, that was that was how I came across the series. It wasn't until years later that I realized all the other games in it. Thanks, I think thanks to Retronauts, honestly, mm-hmm. which is also uh, which is also to blame for me being obsessed with several other series, including <laughs> Sheer and the Wanderer. <laughs> but uh, what I was gonna say about uh, this was also uh, yeah, like. For, for a long time, it was just, like, these games had, a re- for me, like, for a long time, these games had a reputation that preceded them. And uh, by by the time that I had heard about them, like, by the time I had access to material discussing them, they were $100 each, and I did not have a job. Inventively <laughs> expensive. Yeah, it was, no, it was just, not happening. Just, uh, next chance I have, I'm just going to check out the local game stores to see what the prices are in Japanese. Yeah, I'd be curious. Uh, in Japan, they got a really nice uh, PSP version of Street mm-hmm. Coden 1 and 2 that I eventually imported just to sort of uh, see how that was. And that's a really good version. Yeah, there's uh, no fan translation of that, though, is there? There isn't. At one point, allegedly, there was intended to be an official one. But by the time, like, there wasn't any new content in the game, and by the time they could get Sony America to approve the notion of releasing it anyway, uh, it got, uh, like, it had come out and just completely bombed in Japan. Like, the the collection just sold horribly. And so by that Mm -hmm. point, Konami America was no longer interested in trying to to release it in the U.S. Uh, So we missed a a retranslation that time. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, there's, this is a series that has, in Japan, uh, there, in Japan, someone loved it, uh, Mm -hmm. like, someone high up loved it, because there's a lot of, like, weird, uh, Suikoden, uh, spinoffs in Japan, Suiko Gaiden 1 and 2, uh, Suikoden Stars, uh, Card Stories, uh, No, there was a card game we didn't get? Yeah, it was like a GBA no. card spin-off. Uh, there's Suicoden Tactics. 
inexplicably named in such a way that it's impossible to tell it's a Suikoden game in Japan, where I think it's called, like, Rapshodia. But, uh... In, it's called Suikoden Tactics. It is directly related to Suikoden 4. Um... But yeah, like, uh, Murayama himself only involved in 1 through 3. And you can tell that someone in the company was uncomfortable. Like, so, 1 through 3 are advancing a timeline, and they they keep bringing up these, like, places that you haven't seen yet. Uh, mm-hmm. some, of, some of the places referenced in 2, uh, that, that you visit in 2 are referenced in 1, and I think some of the places in 3 are referenced in 2. So you get these, like, things that uh show that there's there's a coherent world here and it's being built up and there's like some seeds of a larger conflict that was theoretically meant to that it was meant to culminate in but after three murayama leaves konami uh and someone at konami i think i think like because afterwards he's he's a freelance scriptwriter for a while he works on a quite obscure ps2 game called Ten Thousand bullets uh I believe there was some period where he was involved in like light novels or manga of some fashion. Uh, he, but you know, like games very infrequently. The Alliance Alive. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember seeing was, that. I was like, oh, what, that was him. Oh, yeah, and that was that had been his first uh, game uh, in eleven years. His previous pri- uh, his previous game to that point was something called. Uh, Tensho Gakuen Gakoroku. Uh, and it, it seems like the Alliance Live kind of brought him back uh, to, uh, you know, like, it brought him back into, like, the, the RPG-making uh, fold. Mm-hmm. Because between that and seemingly seeing uh, that there was a hunger for these old Konami franchises from Bloodstained. If you saw the if you saw the Rabbit and Bear Studios initial pitch for Auden Chronicles, it has like a giant uh, set of in-jokes about like being in competition with the Bloodstained team about like and you know, like they're they're all <laughs> in the in the video because it's like it's all it's the ex Konami devs helping each other out. Uh, <laughs> love that. But uh it seems like between those two things, uh, he, he was drawn back to the industry, and I'm, I'm glad that we got that we'll get one last thing from him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Aiden watch- Chronicles is set for April. You watch that, like some of the Kickstarter videos, and it looks like the dude's living his best life. So it's, yeah, it's I, heartbreaking. Yeah, I I hope that I hope that it was at least. Uh, a happy last few years hopefully mm-hmm. but yeah um so yeah uh, I, I was uh, at the time i was thinking that like auden chronicle because because games have been coming thick and fast in the first half of the year i wasn't sure when i'd get around to it because like i i, I kicked uh, i backed it on kickstarter i have a switch Same. copy coming to me uh so i'll get it regardless but i wasn't sure when i get around to it but given given this news it'll probably be bumped up my priorities less yep same i'm gonna i now have an end date for when i need to be done with final fantasy by yeah and i I think that should be doable within like a month and a half that you'll have but uh yeah it's uh it's tragic it's it's uh, all i'm glad that 
yeah, like, you know, again, not uh, like maybe Gaijin would have access to more info about uh, if uh, if any interviews ever made this information public. But like I said, uh, the English internet doesn't seem to know when this man was even born. Uh, what? You mean uh, Murayama? Murayama? Yeah. I mean, it just... That's weird. The Wikipedia doesn't say. Let's see. Yeah. Okay, Japan. Japanese Wikipedia is even less <laughs> filled out than this. It's just yeah. weird. The English uh... Wikipedia links to what it's claiming is some sort of. Ah, uh, this is. Oh, this is the site for when for for Blue Moon Studio. This was when he was like working freelance. I think that was the name he went under. So this would have been before okay. Rabbit and Bear. I mean, let's see. <laughs> okay, so I just googled his name in Japanese, and it's like, okay, mm -hmm. Murayama, no, Ninrewa, Nansai. How old is this guy? <laughs> um, this web, this particular website is from or pages from nineteen hours ago. Yeah. Um, so they know. So it know. says he was born in nineteen sixty-nine. Okay. Sixty-nine, um, but uh, about fifty-five. That's what I would guess. Yeah, um, but, but I mean, this is all all Conjecture. added with question marks. Because, <laughs> like, nobody yeah. knows. Yeah, like, I was conjecturing that he must have been in his early to mid-50s based on a claim that's sourced to a magazine called Level Issue 41 that okay. says that he graduated okay. from college for computer science in, in 90 92. Yeah. So. so, graduated from college in 92, joined Konami almost immediately after. Yep. Source, Pixiv, um, the Pixiv um, Encyclopedia. So if he graduated in 92, he was most likely born in 1969, so he's probably around 55 years old. This is all like a direct translation of this Japanese page, because it's mm -hmm. all couched in maybes and possibilities, yeah. and we're pretty like, sure... He seems to have been a pretty reclusive person. But, yeah. I mean, th this is kind of ridiculous, because in Japan, most... Births are like public record. Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of wild uh, to have someone who like is is this beloved and uh, you know created something that like as much as Suikoden was never a huge world beater in terms of sales, it was definitely beloved and influential. So mm -hmm. it's it's weird to know so little about him and to know that so much is never going to come out simply because there's no mm. one to say it. But, yeah, so... Uh, yeah, uh, the for, for those who do still wish to... who, who don't want to wait for Gate Rune Wars, Suikoden 1 and eventually, years and years and years later, weirdly long, uh, weirdly long time later, were released on... Uh, PS3, PSP, and PS Vita as PS1 classics. Uh, and Suikoden 3 was released on PS3 as a PS2 classic. Uh, so they they are still technically obtainable mm -hmm. uh, in an official capacity. Or less than a kidney. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is, it still bothers me that the 3DS store is no more. You can still buy mm -hmm. digital games. On your Vita. Yep. But 
It's, uh, I mean, uh, the the alternative was neither was still available because that was originally the plan. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. But yeah, so yeah, uh, give give the man like the Alliance Live wonderful game, uh, absolutely worth your time as well. It was a sad story. Okay. Well, it changed the episode, so you can go watch it again. Okay? No, it's the robot. I stay Oh, really? Okay. I'm going to have to step away for a moment so you guys can talk. Okay. But, yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to memorialize the man. And I'm probably going to try to dig into some of his... Uh, forgot his like. I'm probably gonna try to spend some time with ten thousand bullets just to see what that was. Uh, yeah, I need to. I need to go and finish that uh, Aiden Chronicles. Rising, yeah, yeah, it was the prequel. What do we call that? Yeah, it was it was a prequel. prequel? It's like, at the very least, it was a game set in the same universe yeah. as like a lead-in game. But yeah, and hundred heroes again, quite quite close on its heels, thankfully. So. We'll be able to we'll be able to experience that. Uh, yeah, um, it said it said that this was uh, after a. Uh, let me let me get the exact verbiage. Um, the the official statement said uh, complications with an ongoing illness. So it's it's unclear. Mm -hmm. How sudden this was for those around him. Uh, uh, it's about all it gives in Japanese as well. It's just like yeah, something happened. Yeah, it's one uh, of those things like yeah, see, private in life, private in death. There's a certain it's it's not surprising per se. But okay, yeah. here, here we go. In 2021, um, an engineer type magazine article he. When asked about his own age, he said that he was at a good age right now. <laughs> that just reminds me of the of the Metal Monkey and, and Mother Three experience. Good. Uh -huh. yep. uh, That's a good answer. Yeah. Yep. Good age. Yeah, you, he's had a good age. Do you, do you remember that? Use that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm. I'm glad that. You know, he, he seems to have been. He seems to have done well in his last few years. Uh, yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, well, that's tragic. It's exciting to play his his last work. It's tragic that it will be his last work. Mm. But yeah, so well, hopefully, uh, hopefully this game is a success and. The studio yeah, will maybe be his legacy. Rabbit and Bear can carry on the legacy, yeah. Because, like, when you when you start with uh, when you make something that has like a lead-in game, when you start with a writer that was as good as he was about creating a sense of a world that you could expand on. Because, like, uh, we, we we didn't really touch on this, but like. Suikoden 4 and, like, after Suikoden 3, it seemed like Konami was unwilling to try to touch uh, moving the storyline of Suikoden forward. 
they, it, I, I think that on some level there were people within the company that thought that they could maybe lure him back to freelance, like write another one. Uh, evidently, that never occurred, but uh, because like Suikoden Four, if they just mishandled it just enough. Uh, no, it was just that like Four and Five are very specifically designed to make it so that. Nothing that they do can hurt the current ongoing storyline. Uh, Four goes back a few hundred years in the past. It's uh, about one of the other bearers of one of the true runes. Because uh, mm -hmm. that's that's the thing with the protagonists of the Suikoden games, that they're always bearers of these true runes. There's like 26 of them, I want to say. I'm trying to remember how many there actually are. My brain is failing me but there's a there's a specific number of true runes that uh, have unimaginable power the bearers are uh immortal uh and that is not usually a good thing uh the the bearer the the protagonist of the first game tier mcdole is uh the bearer of the soul eater rune and that goes mm -hmm. about as well as you would think mm -hmm. uh but uh forget what the the official uh rune of the suikoden 4 protagonist is it's like it, it's 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 not a happy one it's like sorrow or something befitting um, the least loved game in the franchise <laughs> yeah okay. after uh, and yes, after she is nice and genki i'm not <laughs> but uh for the uh, so we could end five built its entire story around the backstory of one of the later it's recruits. Huh? Huh? Uh, sorry. Uh, oops. I already also turned off the speakers. Oops. I didn't hear anybody. <laughs> mm. Whoops. Uh, but, but yeah, so, so we could end for a couple hundred years in the past. So we could end five about 20 years prior to we could end one. And it's about, like, its entire plot is built on the backstory of a minor, uh, of one of the characters you recruit late in uh, Persona, not Persona, sorry, I was playing Persona earlier, uh, in Suikoden 2. Uh, let me double check that I'm remembering uh, which character this is. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, the character of uh, George Prime from Suikoden uh, 2 references the existence of this uh, this war that occurred uh, in in his backstory, and Suikoden 5 is just that the thing he was talking about. Uh, <laughs> Because, you know, it was one of those things that they could do. It's like, there's enough space here that we can show this without it being a problem. Like, without it creating anything that he wouldn't be able to just continue writing forward if we ever got him back. And then, after 5, they made alternate universes. And those games are bad, but... Um, <laughs> uh, especially... Game, they, okay, yeah, it's bad. Tear Crease is 
mediocre woven web of a century is genuinely horrendous. Um, uh, I, I know I got Tear Crease for Jim's once, and I think he enjoyed it for what it was worth. Yeah. It's Tear Crease's problem is that, that it's squeaking a name on there. That's more of the problem. Yeah. Uh, Tear Crease's problem. One of those that's... <laughs> okay. Yeah. Its problem is that, like, the games that it's theoretically linked to are so much better that it makes it go from like, oh, this is just, this is pretty decent to, oh, this is really disappointing. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, Woven Web of the Century is just really bad. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is that they, the, they, the PSP one that got fans translated for some reason? Yeah, it got fan translated, and it, that is the PSP one. But yeah, it's just it's just not good. It's like it's just not a good game. Uh, but yeah, so you know, pour pour one out, uh, and you know, go back through uh, those first three. Three is real slow, but you know, in a way that all all those early PS2 RPGs are. But it's still a quality game if you can gel with if you can deal with its extremely slow paced thing. Uh, but yeah, so just wanted to talk that up uh, as we started. Uh, but yeah, so that's uh, just just wanted to talk on that. Uh, I didn't want to go too much into what we've been playing. It's been. Uh, it, we're we're doing this on an alternate night because uh, if we did two podcasts, me and Wheels are both going to be on backtrack. And if we did two podca- podcast reward, records in one night when I've had a month like this, uh, I would die. So, uh, hmm. but yeah. So uh, that's uh, other other than that, uh, it's not too too much uh that needs discussing since it's technically current uh we'll bring up that uh there is currently a uh a announcement of some sort about uh microsoft's future plans for the xbox brand coming in the next couple days uh, mm-hmm. So when you're listening to this, that will have already happened. That's why we're not talking about it. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that's that's contextualized as though as though us talking about Murayama's death as having been announced this morning wasn't already contextualizing enough when this is being recorded. But mm-hmm. uh, and the the other bit of mildly. Uh, Interesting, if sad, uh, but not for nearly the same reasons. Uh, industry news would be that uh, we've gotten we've gotten some info about uh, where we are in this console cycle, uh, mm-hmm. courtesy of uh, Sony having to do an earnings report where they. Uh, had to revise down their uh, revise down their forecast for how many PlayStation 5s they'd be selling this fiscal year. Uh, they had mm-hmm. set the ambitious goal of selling 25 million, which you know would have been quite a number. Uh, 
they had to revise that down by 4 million units to 21 million. Certainly nothing to scoff mm-hmm. at, but it does mean they were expecting growth that didn't happen. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a common, was right over here, um, overestimation to make for any industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it did mean, it, it did cause them to do the first time that they have gestured at lowering the price on the thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that would be good because Jesus, please do not spend $500 on this thing. Um, <laughs> don't spend 400 on it either. Yeah. Don't spend 400 on it either. Um, like it's, it's there. And in part, this was also coupled with the news that, uh, they have no first party, major first party games that they expect to release before, March 31st, 2025. Uh, Whoops. That is inevitable. Uh, the the nature of AAA development has made that inevitable. And mm. the uh, I think that the hope was that live service games would ultimately <laughs> fill in those gaps. <laughs> but oh, like, uh, like, like I would imagine... At some point, the hope was to position something like, uh, like the the canceled Last of Us multiplayer game, something like that, as a big 2024 game. But the cancellation of that, and just generally, uh, like the AAA as it exists, is not a sustainable business. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could probably afford to make some games like that. You can't afford to make all your games like that. No. Uh, and really, like, it's you should not be doing it because, like, what is the extra cost to even? Like, what are you getting out of it? The the infinitely tragic internal Insomniac report that leaked, like them talking mm-hmm. about the budget of Spider Man Two. That game cost like like nearly three hundred million dollars. It cost like four times what Spider Man Miles Morales did. And, uh, you know, at least twice what the original did. And their internal reports was, like, was essentially, do consumer, w- did any consumer realize, did any consumer just looking at the product realize how much more expensive it was? I certainly uh, didn't. <laughs> yeah, you, you, couldn't, you could not have convinced me of that. Like, it's, it's not sustainable. Like, this is, you need to, like... Even even attempting to do everything like a f- big 4K open world is just inevitably leads to this. Uh, this this can't keep happening. This can't keep going. Uh, and it's, uh, like like I said, you could make some games like this. I'm sure that we will never be completely free of people chasing the dragon of producing the enormous game that is all things to all people and is uh just everything but in the fortnight but (laughs) eventually like some of these companies are just going to have to start making games that have to be out in like two two and a half years like that's still a wild amount of time to be working on one product uh but you know as smaller teams making games in less than three years 
it's going to have to become more of your bread and butter than a team of 900 people making a game in five. I mean, that's, uh, that's what Nintendo does at this point, for the most part. Yeah, I remember, I remember when, uh, I wouldn't say for the most part, but definitely they have a, a more diversified slate of, like, this This is a right. huge budget game, like this is the Tears of the Kingdom, versus this is a Princess Peach Showtime, which doesn't mm-hmm. look bad, certainly. But also, oh, yeah. when they announced it, they said it was an untitled Princess Peach project. And when and they didn't give it a release date, and I was like, "Oh, that means it's coming out in like 2025." Uh, and then, no, it, like they announced that like a year ago, and it's out in like a month. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's it's one of those things. I'm I'm wondering how much the popularity of the Super Mario Brothers movie helped accelerate that. I'm certain that that is... ca- I, I'm convinced that that what's that's what caused them to announce it when they did. Yeah, because uh, I, I do know that it had some effect on the cover art because they mm-hmm. um, they redid the cover art and not necessarily that well the first time around to change the facial expressions on all the different versions of Peach on the cover mm-hmm. um, to make them look more like the movie Peach. Well, that and just to give more variety in expressions because originally mm-hmm. they all had the exact same facial expression. Yeah, the the traditional Peach look. Yeah, but yeah, it was, like, I, I, it was very definite they were building on the popularity of the character from the movie. Mm. And I, I think that, like, certainly... I'd, I think that if the movie had come out and done okay, we probably would... We'd still have seen this game, because I'm sure that there are people within uh, Nintendo that pointed out, like, this is a character that people like. This is not... Uh, she doesn't get a lot to do. People would want to play as her. There's a, a market that would want to play as her. Uh, but you know, I, I think that the sheer success of the movie accelerated the time frame of when they would have announced it, mm-hmm. uh, and the amount of prominence they gave it in terms of marketing. Uh, that uh, because you know they they have done this in the past. There was Super Princess Peach, uh, you know, back in That's the DS era. And it, it was one of those games that, like, yeah, it was something that they, like, announced a couple months before it came out, and they tossed it out there, and it was pretty decent. And then, you know, you sort of forgot about it because they didn't follow up on it. They weren't that uh, concerned about it. But I think that, again, the success of the movie and uh, con- convinced them that this was something to throw their weight behind a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. The it, it was weird to read that they uh, described the PS5 as in like the latter half of its lifespan, which, by by obvious numbers, that makes perfect sense. Uh, but at the end of this year, it will turn four. Uh, it still feels weird to me, simply because there's still basically nothing to play on PS5 that isn't on PS4. Uh, it's a, it's a genuinely... Two weeks from now. Yeah, like in two weeks, someone who isn't Sony will have produced something. <laughs> uh, like, for, for a brief moment, if you, were, if you were really into it, you could point out that, like, oh, Returnal didn't come out on anything else, but... Uh, I mean, then they 
ported that to PC. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, the, the bigger problem is it just feels like like nothing really yet. Nothing feels like a PS5 game. Most of it's just like, yeah, this could have been just like a PS4 Pro 2. This is like there's there's very little. The yeah. <laughs> I'm sure internally it was always considered the PS5, but it's one of those things that, like, we run into this issue of just, like, there isn't anything, like, the cost of producing a specifically PS5 game is so high mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. there's just no, like, it would be financially irresponsible to make something that you could only sell on it. Even even with its, you know, success in terms of sales, you're looking at like, okay, there are about 49 million, 50 million PS5s out there. There are we we could target that or we could target the PS4, which gets us that 100 million units plus the PS5 50 million units plus what a, like makes it easier to port to uh, PC makes it easier to port to Xbox. Like, there's no reason to target just a PS5 mm-hmm. game, uh, unless you're wildly ambitious and have an un- an absurd amount of money. And when you have both of those, you have all the more reasons to rein yourself back. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's it's hard to it's it's hard to really care about like it just by the time like you know because like now they're talking about Fizen, which is kojima's next uh, game after death stranding 2 a game that based on statements made can't possibly be out until middle of next year uh after that he will start work on a metal gear solid successor that is definitely a playstation 6 game what is that what purpose could that serve um i just i i do not like i i'm interested in playing a kojima game that is a metal gear solid spiritual successor i want to play that but like you know you they're they're rapidly making the case of there's no need for more consoles uh like yeah because because we the the limiting factor is no longer people have ideas that the hardware is incapable of fulfilling it's people have ideas that the limits of the practicality of getting humans together to make one thing that runs on your console are just mm-hmm. illogical it is just not feasible to make them uh, illogical logistics. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, you would have to have just untold amounts of people working on a on in, essentially infinity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't see. Uh, it, it, it was kind of a it was kind of a grim thing to read, just because it's like, what what are you? Well, <laughs> Like you, you can't just keep making things bigger. Like more, more horsepower does help because it means that you can make something that looks good without having to like squeeze every piece of power you can out of the system. Yeah, like uh, a Switch Two 
is something that can justify itself. Like a because there is room to expand, right? Yeah, a PlayStation Six at this point is like well, no yeah, one ever got guys, everything out of the PS Five. Put out this expensive, pretty shit. That's I'm gonna look at Breath of the Wild and be like, yeah, yeah, this actually looks nicer. <laughs> and and that run yeah. that was running on a, a Wii U. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of yeah. those things that like I I think. I, I don't know if the the current stewards of these platforms have the willingness to look at the business with a jaundiced enough eye to say, like, we need to go smaller, like, because that's the only go. thing that will sustain as need to go even as much as we have now. PSV I mean, allegedly. Oh God! I mean, allegedly that's in the works, but uh, the claims I've heard about it uh, would also put it out as coming in like 2028 at the earliest. And Jesus. also, I don't know. I don't like anything. Like, I, I'm willing to believe that those discussions have existed internally. A piece of hardware mm-hmm. that's four years out has like 900 different. Uh, things it has to get through bef- uh, in order to avoid just getting cancelled. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, you you could finish designing the hardware, which still takes forever, but you could finish, you, you could make determinations on what the hardware is, what it can do, you could write emulators so people could start working on it, and still at the end of the day, come to the conclusion of there's no sense in releasing this and you throw it in, you throw it in a vault and never talk about it again. See also uh, Nintendo's Project Atlantis. Uh, it's a fitting mm-hmm. name. Yeah, Project Atlantis was the first uh, the first uh, internally devised uh, successor to the Game Boy. Um, mm-hmm. it was referenced in a few different magazines at the time. It took uh, it took a long time. I remember at, at some point, Nintendo did acknowledge that some sort of project like this existed. Uh, and uh. The the specs are closer. It was supposed to come out in like 1996, but the described specs sound like the Game Boy Advance. Uh, and this got somewhere along, like somewhere far enough along that people uh, that eventually they did cop to the fact that it had in fact existed. Um. Uh, they they made clear at one point that it was not the same thing as the Game Boy, the final Game Boy Advance we got. The internal code name for the Game Boy Advance was Advanced Game Boy. Um, <laughs> clever. It Why, was, clever, yes. Uh, yeah, allegedly supposed to release in 1996. Apparently, aspects of the hardware just made it unfeasible. Like they they mapped out what the hardware would be, and something about it just made it. Uh, just meant that it just wasn't going to work. Uh, it just wasn't going to work the way people expected it to. 
uh, like the the way that they had hoped it would work when they started working on it. It would it would have been expensive to manufacture. It would have eaten batteries. Um, so it ultimately got shelved. Uh, companies internally make uh, approve hardware R and D all the time. Uh, you can kind of tell when an R&D department begins to wag the dog because you get a lot of things that have that are interesting conceptually that have very little software um you're uh like like Sega in the mid 90s was the king of this with all of their Sega. like competing arcade boards mm-hmm. uh shit like the Menacer um just all sorts of like it, it was a company that made weird shit. The hardware divi- the the R- hardware R and D division was capable of wagging the dog. Uh, like you could look up some. Like you could argue that something like the Virtual Boy was uh, was R and D wanting to make something, even when it became clear that the idea would that in order to make it actually exist you would have to just pare down the idea over and over until it no longer made sense uh but yeah so so like yeah like i said they're allegedly some sort of handheld uh in development from sony and some sort of handheld in development at microsoft we'll see if either of them has the commitment to release such a thing those sorts of projects happen all the time uh hopefully i think that uh it's ultimately but some of the some of the rumors about the uh handheld from sony sound like they would continue to not really understand what handhelds are for uh but we'll see what else Uh, yeah we'll see like like i think that one of the things that was good about having the switch around with something that said that, that forced developers who wanted to take advantage of this popular handheld to look at it and say, okay, we have a compelling business reason to limit scope. Mm. And especially over the last 10 years, that has been something the industry needed. <laughs> Uh, and so I am on board with a Switch 2 that is in that PS4 level of power where it gives them plenty of things that they can do with it that they couldn't do before, but also doesn't give them an unrestrained uh, situation where it's like, oh, we can spend, we can try to do 4K and try to do, you know, X, Y, and Z things. Uh, without any sort of compromises like that, you know, so that your art and tech budget doesn't eat you alive. But we'll see. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to hit those in the news since they were kind of uh, the the current big deals as of when we record. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I want to hit a couple of Budai's questions so that we don't uh, lose track. 
So we're going to hit a couple yep. of those, but then we'll probably call it quits a little early because I'm very tired. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lightning rounds are these questions. Okay. Also, Budai questions also. Oh, was or there Budai questions? Or did I, I, I said, did I say Budai? I meant Fireminer. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Wait. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Fireminer. Sorry, I don't, don't want to sound like we don't want your questions. So sorry. Yeah, we were just surprised. It was just surprised. It was a force of habit. Um, well, a force of habit from like five years ago, but whatever. Um, five years. Oh, God. Don't dude, we've been. I think, ancient, please. please do not think about how long we've been at this, okay? <laughs> Will, do I need to remind you that I believe that you didn't, that your first child was born bef after this podcast started? Oh, fuck. <laughs> that was 2012, my friend. Okay, yeah. maybe it was uh, maybe it was right before your it was before your second it, yeah, child was, was born. I think it was the second one, but still, that's 2015. Because I know that that's now yeah, nine we, years you, ago. Yeah, was Destiny? I don't think Destiny one was out when we started. Because I oh, remember it definitely you, wasn't. I remember you being excited about its uh, its forthcoming release. Yeah, at the time. It yeah, it would have had to be the forthcoming release because we're approaching the tenth anniversary later this year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, been a bit, been a bit. Um, but let's not think too hard about 2, it. Two thousand um, hours of gameplay later. Let's not think about it. Um, <laughs> yes, let's not. Okay, so let's hit some quick ones. This podcast talked about how FF16 and Starfield magnified worrying trends in St uh, Square Enix and Bethesda, respectively. That said, is there an argument about the best things a bad game can do is be as short as possible? Spending 40 hours on a bad game is undoubtedly better than spending 100 hours, right? I mean, the answer is that if a bad game is 100 hours long, I'm going to stop playing it before I get there. <laughs> Uh, it also depends on why the game is bad. Mm -hmm. So, like, uh, um, I, I can I can think of one or two games where, honestly, if they had fixed one minor sec or some minor issues with the battle system, then mm -hmm. my main complaint would have been that the game was too short for plot reasons. Mm -hmm. I, I include Tales of the Tempest in this group, which is kind of crazy <laughs> when you think about it. Just a mere because, twelve hours. Um, yeah. I mean, yes, the, the combat system was a hot mess because the developers had no idea how to do what they wanted to do with it on the DS. Mm. But also, the way the plot was set up, it was it really felt like they had tacked on the final boss um, endgame mm -hmm. onto what was effectively the first quarter of the actual game. Yeah, they, they that's, realized that's that really they, they were not going to be able to finish whatever they were making, so they needed to just stop. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, the game, the story specifically references other continents having similar issues mm -hmm. as the character's homeland, and the game ends with the main character and love interest um, just going off on a ship. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I was I was really half expecting to have more game after this. <laughs> so, uh, maybe they hope so they it, could it actually, do more on a sequel at some point, but that sure yeah, didn't happen. No, they'd have to completely remake the game. I mean, for one mm -hmm. thing, uh, make the hero's special ability actually usable in battle. <laughs> I could never. There was a button combination necessary to activate it, and I never could get it to work. Oh, so boy. the only times that ability saw use was the two times where it was where the game just has the story cause it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. 
but yeah, like I, yeah, I, I feel I like that being one of the oddities of my review for that game is like, yes, actually, one of the issues with this game is that it's not long enough. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have time to develop its ideas. Yeah, I, I think that that is the root of the this game's bad, and it's so short is that you can you you get the sense of like maybe they had ideas that would have been interesting to see explored and this game never gets around to it and maybe they still would have sucked but it feels worse to know that like you can see artistic constraint within the product yeah but, uh, i'm also remembering i think it was was it yeah it was phil's review of from the abyss which he scored mm. more negatively than I would, but I would not have scored it positively to begin with. Mm-hmm. But um, he has two positives and four negatives listed on the side here. And the second positive is, it's a short game. The first negative is, not short enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that mm. game was... Yeah. Let's see. Um... Yeah. It was not a very... I mean, was right word. It was a game that definitely needed more to it, because it was <laughs> a very dull, monotonous game. Do you remember Children of Mana? Yes. Ah, oh, what a game! It was very similar to Children of Mana without the back backstory, mm. or with even less backstory. <laughs> so, um. That's another game that could have benefited from having more stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What's the best example of game known a- knowing exactly when to fold? I just can't bring myself to play Mario World simply because of how long it is. Uh, uh, Super Mario World? Yeah, I think... Uh, I'd, uh, just, just to respond to that, I would say I think you should run that one again because it's probably... If you're if you're like me and you played it as a child, you probably remember it being a lot longer than it yeah, is. As I say, Super Mario mm-hmm. World, that game is not that long. Like uh, a straight, like not taking the the super secret route, but just playing it as an adult, like that's maybe three hours long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not getting all ninety six exits, but I mean that's hundred percenting a video game, and still probably not more than eight hours if you actually know where they are. Um, yeah. So, a lot less if you're a crazy speedrunner. Yeah, but in, in general, like Let's it's a Mario 3D World or something. But even that. Oh, that's a lot. But yeah, um, but yeah, as as it's called out, Chrono Trigger is a game that uh, knows precisely where to stop to avoid uh, wearing out its welcome. Uh, to the point where we can still identify the levels that got taken out. <laughs> yep. R.I.P. Yeah. Singing Mountain. Uh, but... It has a great theme song, at least. And that they were yeah, nice I'm glad that they let us hear that. Country. Yeah. They we're not going to let that go to waste. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... Uh, I'm glad that... Uh, I'm glad that we got to hear that, but... Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like a lot of care was taken for uh, the thought pro a thought process that would be uh, that we would see uh, largely abandoned in the forthcoming 
uh, PlayStation era where uh, the uh, where space was no longer a constraint, where games would be like all it was it was as much content as you could finish was going to be in that game, uh, even if you. Uh, even even if like there's still obviously tons of unfinished content, you know, like to contrast it directly with its sequel, Chrono Cross, a game where everything they had done made it in there, even if it no longer made sense. <laughs> uh, oh, but that game frustrating video game. But um, I like that. Game, yeah, but it could have been a lot better. Mm-hmm. It, uh, it could have been a lot. It could have been a lot better if they had just committed to one idea instead of having five of them and trying to make all of them fit mm-hmm. together. But yeah, um, Chrono Trigger is the is the grand prize on this. Uh, there's absolutely there's there. If you took something out of it, it would feel diminished, and if you added something to it, it would probably also feel diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, that's that's the that's uh, that's definitely the choice uh, the choice cut there. Um, I'm trying to think of other games that are uh, as as perfectly uh, constructed. And it's, it's it's very difficult. Um, uh, I think uh, I, I brought it up at the beginning of this, but I think that the economy of writing in Suicoden 1 cannot be underestimated. Uh, mm-hmm. Suicoden 2, in many places, flies higher. It has scenes that are more memorable, uh, but it does also have scenes that it's like, you could cut this, and it would. I, I don't think it would specifically diminish the game. I don't think you would lose too much from it. Uh, with, with Suicoden 1, that's that. Like I said, that game can be finished in like 15 hours on a 100% run if you know who you're looking for and where you're going. Uh, and it's uh, you know a, a, even just a casual run that doesn't 100% everything. Again, you're not going to be spending a whole lot longer there. Uh, but that's that's a game that I think has an exact idea of how long it needs to run to get its points across. Uh, to show exactly as much as it ha- as it does to be compelling, without giving you all the answers, just hinting at like there's a bigger world here. We can get we can get around to some of these other countries that we're talking about later. We are just talking about this one conflict, uh, and even though we have all these characters, they're all focused in, like laser sharp on this one set of related conflicts in this rebellion. Uh, and you know it it's it really is uh it knows exactly uh how much uh interest any given subplot has it's uh it's uh excellent and also i'm going to call out one of my one of the things in i i don't know what this looks like in japanese but in english it's incredibly funny uh mm-hmm. every every character in uh, Suikoden has a weapon that instead of replacing it, they just sharpen it, uh, and it changes names eventually. And uh, 
my the 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 beautiful uh situation you get is uh some of these characters have weapons that upgrade to have very silly names uh <laughs> and uh one of them is uh this uh, one of the, the 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 kobolds in this game are of the japanese uh, understanding of kobolds which is to say little furry mans uh because yeah, they got them all from the original monster manual for old yeah. D&D. Yeah. yeah but one of them is uh you get the exa- yeah so gone has a weapon mm-hmm. that at level one it is just called sword uh, when it changes names at level seven, it becomes Cool Sword, <laughs> and then when it changes names again at level thirteen, it becomes Very Neat Sword. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. That's that's beautiful to me. <laughs> Very Neat Sword. Uh, I have no idea what these are called in Japanese, but given the kind of character Gon is, which is to say a character where half of his dialogue is saying hooray, uh, I can't imagine it's that different. <laughs> okay, let me... Okay, sweet... Then... Game... Gon? Gon. Gon. Um, Gon. G-O-N. Um, let's see what we got here. Okay, Cobalt, Valeria, Kuromimi, Gon, Valeria. Yeah, those are the Cobalts. Gon, um, oh, this is just the stats. Yeah, I'm not sure if, like, in English, there's Suiko Source that gives, uh, like, this, like, everyone's stats, everyone's weapons, all this other shit. Uh, I'm not sure what the equivalent in Japan would be. Oh, there's quite a few of these, but... Yeah, um, I'm sure the information's out there. I just don't, wouldn't know where to look for it. I just need to go through it, because I'm not familiar with some of these pages. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, there's gone. <laughs> okay, close the ad here. And this is a stat progression. Mm-hmm. No weapon is mentioned. Ikasuken. Okay. Um, what was the name of the sword in, Je- in English again? Sword, it's sword, cool sword, very neat sword. <laughs> okay, I'm going to have to look up what Ikasu is supposed to mean. Because um, here it's got um, like the saying, and then it's got the very, this thing. Yeah, I heard Totemo, and it's like, okay, that's very something. <laughs> also, I'm just posting his uh, excellent character portrait in Wheels' Discord. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so oh, that's, that's a game I that I remember him. Yeah, like half his dialogue is just saying "hooray." <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, this it seems like um just what it says right here. Um, yeah, this is weapon level sixteen progression, something like that. Yeah, it's uh, basically. Yeah. Awesome sword and really awesome sword. <laughs> yep, that's uh, that fits. Uh, going as a going as a treasure. Um, the 
because I think that Wheels is also dying. Uh, we'll probably hit one more question. Uh, let's pull one from this. Uh, oh, this one's down the center of the... This one's for me. Uh, playing the Damon Gant case in Ace Attorney, that is Ace Attorney uh, 1, Case 5. Makes me want to ask this. If there's an Ace Attorney-style game set in America that wants to tackle police uh, corruption, how would they go with it? I was recently reminded how Law & Order treated the NYPD with kids' loves. I don't think you could find a AAA publisher that would be willing to deal with that. Uh, I think you could probably find an indie game that would be ready to deal with that. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But... Uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, you, you would you would ultimately uh end up like it would have to it would have to be the game like it would have to be it's a big enough theme and an important enough one that it kind of has to eat every other theme in the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, it's there's there's too much. Uh, to cover in that one thing to make that some sort of uh, subplot. You do see games touch on this on occasion, uh, but like it's it's almost always treated as like there's this one thing that is bad. If you wanted to treat it as like the context context of systemic corruption, you would have to go. Uh, you'd have to. It would definitely have to be something indie. No publisher would touch that. Um, yeah, and it would definitely have to be. Uh, you, I think you would end up with something that resembled a uh, a detective, or honestly, an attorney game. Like the the kinds of people that have capacity to stand against it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was thinking like judge eyes. Judge, uh, yeah, judgment would uh, like uh, ju- judge eyes is weird because it does have a bunch of governmental uh, corruption in it, but it's not typically the police themselves. I was just thinking I could imagine something in that style. Mm, yeah, in that in that vein would, would make sense. Yeah. Uh, so that's all I was suggesting. Is like okay, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think positioning you in that attorney or uh, private detective role, which uh, judge I a judge <laughs> judgment did both, uh, puts you in this position where you have a vested interest in going after uh, that sort of corruption, but mm-hmm. also creating a situation where you have. Uh, you have capacity that the v- direct victims of such corruption typically don't. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of the tech you would inevitably end up taking. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, other than that, uh, yeah, you you would see it in an indie game uh, because any any publisher would say, like, if you're going to touch this at all, it has to be uh, treated as there is one bad thing here and you can get rid of it. Uh, the proverbial bad apple. Mm-hmm. Don't put bad apples in a bunch. It actually it actually will spoil it. Um, yep. yep. While completely ignoring the rest of the aphorism. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, seems like the people most willing to quote that particular saying completely ignore the part about how you need to get rid of it immediately before everything else goes bad. <laughs> yeah. So as as it turns out, uh, for for those who for those who haven't dealt with bad apples, if you do just leave one in the bunch, the bunch will go bad. Um, Incredibly quickly. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yes. But, Which is kind of the point of the expression. Yeah. Uh, it, it often gets... Uh, we, we've reached a point in society where it is often just entirely misquoted as one bad apple doesn't spoil the bunch. One bad apple spoils the bunch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Along with other phrases that frequently get mismanaged, like birds of a feather or um, mm-hmm. blood is thicker than water. Yep. They, uh, we, but, we have... Both of which mean almost exactly the opposite of what people think they mean. <laughs> well. uh, but uh, but few as overtly misused as one bad apple. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I would say one bad apple gets like minimized on the damage. It's like, oh, it's just one bad apple that we can get rid of, and it's like it's never yeah. just one bad apple when you think about it. Yeah, that's that's what I mean when I say few are misused to such a degree. Like the other ones, yeah. people using an inappropriate phrase in one bad apple. It's I mean, people. I mean, okay. a, a lot of abusive parents will use some variation of "blood is thicker than water" too. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Which mm. you, you remember yeah. the second half of that phrase? Uh, the uh, the the version I know is is the, of, the of religious version, nature. Version. Yeah, the version the yeah. full version I know it's is of religious Bible. nature. Yeah, the blood of the covenant is thicker it's than the water of the water of the womb. Of the womb. Which, Literally means the people that you agree to be with are more important than your own family. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is the absolute opposite of the way it's normally read without the extra words in it. (laughs) Yep. Yes. Sure is. Because it was originally, I think, from either from literally from the Bible or from something adjacent to the book of a. Yeah, it's it's referencing like the the concept of, you know, religious covenant. Uh, Yeah. And about how oh. sometimes it's necessary to throw your fam- um to uh, leave your family behind, which was a massive thing during the Roman Empire. Um, mm-hmm. That was historically that was actually one of the bigger griefs that the Roman Empire had with Christianity was that it threatened traditional familial structures. Literally, it in- it engendered um, a loyalty to something higher than the family. Yes, and that's what that quote was originally all about. Mm-hmm. So um, anybody who's using it as a as a justification for you need to stick with your family because family is more important, no matter what they're doing, has, no. uh, has, does not have does not have your best interests at heart, no. <laughs> and does not understand the quote either. But yeah, mm-hmm. or they understand it and don't like it. But <laughs> these uh, days, more likely, just don't understand it. Yeah, quite possible. Again, very few people hear the the full uh, quote nowadays. But yeah, so I, th- I think that is, um, that'll be birds of a feather. I I only know the the phrase "birds of a feather flock together." I don't underst- I don't know the way that it's been corrupted. The second, the second line has something to do with um, but they fly away when the cats. Um, it's something about how the the full expression is basically, yes, your friends will stick together when it's fun, but as soon as something threatens it, it, everyone abandons you. Yeah, it's every man for himself. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is, again, quite opposite of the way we take it nowadays. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So uh, I, th I think we'll we'll cut it short tonight. So because of that, I would like uh, let's tell tell me about princesses. Those are some birds of a feather. Oh yes, uh, princesses <laughs> of the pizza Weird. parlor. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they stick together even when the cat appears. Yeah. And they will mob the cat. Check it until it leaves. Listen, uh, listen uh, an adventuring party needs to know that it ne needs to know that it has to stick together to fight a cat because a cat can absolutely kill a level one adventurer. <laughs> At least in what in basic D and D, yeah. Mm -hmm. Quite funny. <laughs> yeah. I need, I need yeah. to introduce that scenario sometime. Okay, but yes, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor for Kindle and Kindle Unlimited. Currently standing at 12 episodes, four side stories, because I got that fourth one out. Oh, and yeah. a paralogue for a total of, oh, let's see, at this point, 17 ebooks and a grand total of 400,000 words, I think. Um, I need to, need to calculate again sometime. So yeah, so if Get you enjoy, oh no, I mean, Warren, it's Warren Peace still has about a hundred and twenty thousand words on me here. I'm, You're I'm coming up on him. You're coming up on him. <laughs> yes, it's not not just a joke in chap in episode eleven anymore. Um, but yes, the princesses of the pizza parlor. Um, if you enjoy tabletop role playing games, if you enjoy uh, reading about other people playing tabletop role playing games, and this has been a thing forever. They just have decided to monetize it more nowadays. Mm -hmm. um, then we have again we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor um, in many many easy installments, of mm -hmm. all very nicely priced. Mm -hmm. um, take it at your own pace, or just buy them all. Go ahead, I don't mind. Um, Either way, it's fine. Yes, <laughs> but leave a nice um, review when you're done. <laughs> yes, yeah, so please, please leave a nice review. Um, and and if you prefer. Um, less digital, more actual dead tree format. We have th currently three collections, and the Paralogue is its own novel. Working on collection number four, and um, we'll be writing the stories for collection five sometime this year. Excellent. I hope to finish this main storyline eventually. You know, it's been, let's see, nine years, actually eight years at this point, eight and a half years. That's commitment. In the works. Because I started it in the middle of Tokyo Game Show 20, 2000. Uh, Fifteen. So, <laughs> yes, I could pinpoint the exact the exact picnic table around Makahari Mese. Nice place. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, over my lunch period. So, yeah, give that yes. a look. Oh, yes, yes. Y a r i m i z u. Because hey, we need what we can to get through Google. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, otherwise, normally we would have these podcasts on Thursday nights, uh, but t today was a special exception. But yeah, so I was wondering uh, why. Yeah, it, it's. Be, uh, I don't. I. I think I. You might have been. You might not have heard when I mentioned this, but me and Wales will both be on backtrack tomorrow. And yeah. given how much how, how work has been for me over the past month, I couldn't do both podcasts in one night. Uh, and considering how long backtracks off ago, which game are you backtracking? Uh, if you're looking at the stream, you'll see Wheels playing it, but it's uh, this. It'll be up by the time we put this up. Uh, Stranger Paradise. Ah, uh, okay. Because no, I mean, uh, I, I'm looking at them on Discord. And I just see streaming Q and A Quest live, um, mm -hmm. so it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Okay, Stranger Paradise. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin. But uh, yeah, so uh, look out for that. Uh, me and Wheels will be on that when that goes up, probably significantly before this does. Uh, um, ouch. If you, My pride. Or lack I mean, you haven't you haven't put up last week's episode, dude. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I was going to edit it tonight. Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, I mean, there's there's no reason to rush out both of them. It's fine. Um, but yeah, so normally we would have these on Thursdays. This is a special exception, but normally we have these Thursday nights, uh, nine p.m. Pacific Midnight Eastern. We also do shenanigans or whatever the heck we feel like playing show at 9 p.m. Pacific Midnight Eastern on Sundays. Uh, I don't know if we have a plan for this week, do we? Um, mm. Is that new Street Fighter character out this week? Nope, not until the 27th. Okay, more Remnant 2 then. Got it. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you, since uh, it will almost be the 27th by the time that we uh, put this up, uh, presuming Wheels doesn't do the, the awful thing and just like shove both of them out uh, at once, I'm remembering That's when we recorded. Idea. No, it's not. I'm remembering <laughs> that time we, uh, before like your child was born when we recorded a couple of uh, episodes at once so that we would have episodes to space out and then you put two of them out one day after another for some reason <laughs> that is the thing that happened several times um mm -hmm. but in any case uh yeah uh give that uh but yeah uh you can you can catch us on that you can ask us questions in the comments uh and in the twitch comments we did not uh we, we didn't have a lot of those this week because our usual uh, dear friend Fireminer was not able to, would not have been made aware that we were doing this. We we determined that we were doing this like three hours before we did it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, apologies specifically to Fireminer. Uh, I feel bad that we didn't give you advanced warning. Uh, but thank you for the questions that uh, showed up in the podcast section. If you want to ask questions in the podcast section of the Discord, like uh, dear friend Fireminer, you can do so by going to rpgamer.com and clicking the community tab. That'll get you an invite to the Discord. Even if you don't want to ask us questions, it's a lovely community that's totally worth joining. Uh, otherwise, uh, you should uh, check out uh, our friend who could not be here, uh, Smoke and Joe Gamer, on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, you should also check out the RP Gamer Twitch team uh, that has a whole bunch of... Uh, people on it, including uh, occasional guest and friend of the podcast, uh, Tam, who uh, I believe is actually also playing, uh, intending to play Stranger Paradise sometime in the next week or so. So give that a look as well. Uh, but otherwise, I think that wraps it up for us. So see you, Space Cowboys. See ya.